0: Thanks for joining us through the Crossbridge Podcast. We hope this message speaks to you wherever you may be on your spiritual journey and helps you take your next step of growth in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Crossbridge or to speak with one of our ministry team members, please visit crossbridge.church. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them. To the Israelites, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you.
1: Welcome to CrossBridge. My name is Kevin and I'm the lead pastor and I'm so thankful to have the opportunity to speak with you again in regards to the series The Struggle is Real. Uh, I want to welcome those at Peru, um, Morris, online, and even Ottawa this week. Is um, I'm going to be teaching with them via video as well. So uh, so good again to have the opportunity. In fact, I want to pray for us before we're going any further. Father, thank you. Thank you, as always, for the opportunity to share your word, and I pray that you would give me the words to say today, and I pray that they would connect with the people's hearts who are listening. We trust your spirit to do that work, and uh, God, I just commit this to you, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. This week, we're looking at the story of Joshua. Now, I'll tell you, Joshua is one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. In fact, I've preached it at Crossbridge, I think twice in the last six years, and um, but I, I think I could preach it to you like once a year, and I would be happy. I don't know if you would or not, but I would be. Uh, this story, we find ourselves, the Israelites are facing an overwhelming challenge. This is the day that was announced 600 years earlier, and this land is filled with people that they're getting ready to try to take, right? That God has promised them. In fact, what we're told is giant people. In fact, 40 years ago, the, the people had camped in the very same place and they had thought about going in. They'd sent spies in to check things out. Those spies came back with basically a, a bad report that there were numerous people as well as that the people were huge and they chose not to go. God sent them on a detour to the wilderness. We talked about this last week as well. And then 40 years later, they're right back here again. Same opportunity, but this time a new leader. And the leader is Joshua. In fact, um, one of the things that I thought was really interesting is this. Four times, right, in the opening four paragraphs, God instructs Joshua to be strong and courageous. In fact, um, over and over, right? Be strong, be courageous. Be strong, be courageous. And there's a reason why. Because he's getting ready to lead this group of people into this land in which uh, it's going to take some faith and some trusting that God can give them strength and give them the courage to tackle something that's bigger than they are. It's an incredible story displaying God's power. And uh, you're going to read it this week, and in fact, I want to say this too, if you don't have a book, it's not too late to get one, and uh, feel free just to pick one up. You can donate five bucks if you want to help cover that, but we don't want that to be the reason you don't take it, so feel free to take a book. Um, as I was thinking about this, this story and which parts to share with you, I got sucked into several parts of the story. In fact, at one point I thought, okay, like, how am I going to do this? Like, This probably needs to be a three-week series in itself, the story of Joshua, rather than one week. And so I tried to step back and look at it from a larger perspective. And I began to to think about who would be listening. So when I'm looking out there and I think of you at Peru and I think of you at Morris and I think of you at Ottawa and online, like there's certain people that come to mind. I'm not going to tell you which ones, but there are people that come to mind. and, And I began to think about how this story, that God might use it to connect with your heart. For most of us, there are things in this story that are way too true um, to our stories today. In fact, here's here's just a few. Some of us, we have obstacles to cross like Jordan Rivers that seem to be at flood stage. Some of us feel at odds and uh, at odds with, with others and we feel like the odds are stacked against us. Some of us feel like we're at the same place again dealing with our failures from the past and will this time be different. And some of us feel like giants are looming, and they are dialed in on us. I could be wrong, but I'm guessing that um, probably most of you could connect with one of those. And so I want to talk about what's transferable from this story years ago to help us to face our obstacles today. See, here's, here's what, how I picture it. I think this... Um, as I was looking at this story and I was really trying to think of it as the big picture and what would I pull out to share with you, I think God still wants to guide us and he wants us to listen to him for direction. Joshua 1, 7 and 8, this is what it says. It says, be strong and very courageous. See, we just talked about that, right? Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. See, I think this, um, God is serious about his word. In in fact, there's even times, um, I, I think the Old Testament, at times it's harsh and at times it's difficult for us to understand. It causes us to ask some questions of, is this the same God back in the Old Testament that we find in the New but, but one of the things I do think we, we see in the Old Testament, or at least we're reminded of, is that, that God is serious about sin, and he's serious about us living the way that he's prescribed. He, he's serious about us following him, and there are real consequences when we choose to walk our own way. You know, I look at this, and um, there's a battle here. One of the first battles, they go into Jericho. And they actually win that battle, but not like you would think. They don't win it with swords. They win it with trumpets. Uh, You'll read about it. One of the things that God tells them is at the end of this battle, hey, I want you to collect all the silver, the gold, and the pieces of bronze, and I want you to put them in the treasury of the Lord. Like, give them back to me. They're sacred. Now, people, um, they didn't know this, but Achan, um, this character in this story, he got the idea that... I mean, was God really going to notice if a little bit of bronze was missing? And so he took some of these things, and he stashed it in his tent. They go on to the next battle, which is at this place called Ai, and, um, and they, get, like, they get it handed to them. In fact, um, it did not go well, and this, they lost that battle, and they got routed. And, and here's the deal. Joshua was shocked. He's shocked because he's like, hey, God, like, I thought you said this was going to be our land. And we were going and like, you were with us. And I thought you were leading us. And the victory was ours. And, and God says, uh, hey, like, I haven't failed you. The Israelites have sinned. Check your people. I told them what to do with the spoils from Jericho. And one of your people, like, they didn't do that. And, and until it's taken care of, basically, good luck. So Joshua pulls them all together and he says, hey, here's the situation. Here's the deal. And Achan finally raises his hand and he admits it. And they go to his tent and they find like these, you know, precious metals in which he had taken. This was the downfall of Achan as well. It didn't go well for him. Then they march back into Ai, the same place, and they come out with a miraculous victory. See, here's what I, one of the things I want us to think about. To avoid pulling an Achan right the people learn the lesson of being obedient to what god says i think that goes for all of us there is something about looking at this and acknowledging that it's his word and that he doesn't just give it to us as suggestions but he gives it to us and asks us to be obedient and to live by it i remember once when a man walked in my office i was pastoring years ago and he walked into my office and um and this man, he, he, you know, there were many times throughout ministry where he gave me a hard time. And, um, yeah, I think he, he enjoyed it a little bit. And, and, and as he walked into my office, he came in and he noticed a book sitting on my desk. Now, what he didn't know is I, I didn't sit the book on my desk, that someone had dropped it off for me and said, hey, if you get a chance, would you look at this? And that happens every once in a while, right, in, in a pastor's life. And so as that book was sitting on my desk, the book was about a former president. And, and, you know, anytime we start talking about presidents, uh, it gets heavy quickly, right? And so that book was sitting on my desk, and he looked at that, and um, whew, he had some very choice, colorful, colorful words about that president and about that book. And, and he began, like, man, he unloaded. And, and then I said, well, tell me why you're really here. And he went on to say that he just felt like he needed deeper teaching that he needed more. He needed more information. And, and, and I, I was puzzled the whole time because I thought, I don't think you need more information. Um, the way you just described this president in this book tells me you just need to apply what you've already heard. That may sound harsh, but it is very much the truth. I believe this, that God isn't interested in how much we know, that at the end of the day, when we get to heaven, he's not going to say, how many verses can you quote me? I think, though, what does matter is that when we take something in, when we take a scripture in, when we know that he's spoken to us, that we've been obedient to what we've heard. Here's the second thing I want us to think about. Is God really our leader? Are we allowing him to lead us? Joshua chapter three, verses one through four. Listen to this. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. I want you to remember that piece. Then you'll know which way to go since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. There's a couple things that I noticed here, and the first one is this. There's this word consecrate. Consecration, it implies, it involves this idea of a transfer of ownership. That's how I want you to think of it. A transfer of ownership, that if we're going to consecrate, our lives to the Lord. What we're really saying is, God, I don't own this anymore, anything about this. I'm going to say to you, it is yours. You own it. I get the opportunity to be a steward of it. In fact, um, everything about me and who I am and all that I have, it is all. Remember when you were a kid and you get those shirts that would say property of? Picture that. That every one of us has a shirt. If we're a follower of Jesus, it says property of? jesus christ right property of god first corinthians says it this way do you not know that your bodies are temples of the holy spirit who is in you whom you have received from god now listen to this part i've listen you are not your own you were bought at a price therefore honor god with your bodies I try to explain this to my kids all the time. I walk in their room, and their rooms are so messy. It drives me crazy. Clothes on the floor and trash. Sometimes I'm like, how does trash get on the floor? You have a trash can. And, and every Saturday morning, like clockwork, I make them clean their rooms. But it's amazing. By Sunday, Monday, I don't know how they do it, but all the clothes get back on the floor again. And I have the same conversation over and over and over. And, and I know what they're thinking. What they're thinking is, Dad would you just stop? This is my room. And there's been many times when I say, it is not your room. It is my room that you get to use. You know, everything, not not to sound like an over-controlling parent, but there are times where I want to say, everything you have, you don't own. I own. And it's on loan to you. See, when we begin to understand ownership, we understand who we are taking our cues from. We understand who is leading and who is following. See, when it comes to Jesus, you have to be a follower before you can ever be a leader for him. In fact, I thought there was a really interesting line, and I told you to make note of it, right? Right in the middle of this, when it says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. One interesting thing about the first time that they attacked I, it's, it's the one place, I was reading about this this week, it's the one place where the Ark of the Covenant did not go before them. See, I think there's a great picture here. Um, you got this Ark of the Covenant that went before them. is a picture like of God going before them that so often, don't we get that mixed up? that we end up going before God and then saying, God, I hope you'll bless me as I go versus saying, God, I want you to be my leader and I want to follow you and I want you to lead me in the direction that I need to go. You know, um, sometimes I think we just need to slow down. Sometimes we need to slow down and say, God, I'm not moving until I hear from you because what is most important to me is that I follow you. Now, you, you moving on in this story, Joshua chapter 3, 7 and 8, here's what it says. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I'll begin to exalt you in the eyes of all the Israel, so they may know that I'm with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. I, I love this, okay? One of my favorite parts of the story. Here it comes. Verse 14, let's jump to it. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, The priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now, the Jordan is at flood stage. You know, we've got rivers at flood stage too, right? So we can picture this. It's at flood stage during harvest. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, it says the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up a heap a great distance away. And, And it goes on to say, while the water flowing down... To the Sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho, and it goes on to say that they stood on dry ground, right? And um, now I think this is the order of this is really really important, and and most likely most of us would just read this story and go on, right? Okay, cool. They stepped in the water, stood up. How miraculous is that? But I just want to point out something. Listen to the definition of faith found in Hebrews chapter eleven. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and it's assurance about what we do not see. You think about um, even the story of Matthew chapter 9 where there's this woman and she's been subject to bleeding for 12 years, right? In fact, I'm just going to read it to you. Just then a woman who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if only I touch his cloak, I'll be healed. And Jesus turned and saw her, take heart, daughter, he said, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. You know, I I was thinking about this picture and I thought, she was bleeding, she was probably uncomfortable, she probably didn't want to make her way through the crowd, yet she chose to. She could have said, hey, I'm going to sit on the side of the road, I'm bleeding, um, but I'm going to have faith and believe, right, that if God really wants to touch me, he can do it, he can just notice me over here and he can do it. But she didn't. She took action. In fact, what I would say is she put her toes in the water. I love the fact that, you know, when these guys got to the edge of the river, that it wasn't, hey, when you get to the edge of the river, right, set the Ark of the Covenant down and the water's going to stand up and then put your feet in. No, that would have been, I mean, that would have been way too easy and that would have not required any faith at all. What it says is put your feet in the water at flood stage. And then trust that God can do the mighty things that he does. Here's what I believe, and I say it all the time to you here at Crossbridge, is this. Sometimes steps are necessary. That God has taken tremendous steps to extend a relationship with you, and he's done all he needed to when he sent his son to die for your sins. And I think sometimes what he's looking for from us is that we would be willing to take a next step that we would respond to the love and the grace that has been extended us, and we would just take one step towards him. Just one step. And what that step would say is this. It would say we are responding to you because we believe even though we can't see. And in the final part of the story that I wanted to point out, now you're going to have to bear with me on this. This is going to make you a little uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable to talk about. So let's, just, let's, let's dive in it together. I see this in the story that God is looking for people who are all in and will identify as his. Let me say that again. God is looking for people, not just in the Old Testament, but he's still looking for it today, that are all in and will be identified or marked, we could say, as his. Okay, here we go, right? See, before they engaged in their first battle, God instructed every male— to be circumcised. I told you it was going to be uncomfortable. This was a ritual that outwardly identified them as belonging to God. It was something that the law had required, but during the wilderness time, the Israelites had stopped practicing it. So before they began this conquest, all the males, young and old, were circumcised. That was a bad day in the camp, right? In fact, there's actually a little piece about that where it says, like, the women were the only able-bodied people for, like, three days. And when they took off for battle, they were marked for God so that when the victory comes, so that when God does this great thing, everyone will know that these are my people. Now, in the New Testament, we see a reference um, to this same kind of picture of circumcision but we see it in a different stream of thought. In fact, oftentimes we read something in the Old Testament and Jesus comes along in the New Testament and he kind of blows it up a little bigger. Listen to Colossians chapter two. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. A couple interesting pictures there. I I think the first one is that, you know, in the Old Testament, you have skin being cut away. In the New Testament, it's described as um, this idea of our sinful nature being cut away that we would ask God to take care of this old self, that he would like cut it off and make us new. I think the other thing you have is in the Old Testament, circumcision marked them as God's people. In the New Testament, people are marked as God's people through baptism. That baptism is when they enter the water and they come back out, there's a sense, there's there's this pronouncing of, I am part of God's family. He has washed me new. I am a new person, and I'm walking a new path for him. I am identifying as him. In fact, when people are baptized, I always say that to them. This is an outward profession of an inward work of God. That when God has done something inside of you, I think he's looking for us to say, he's done it, right? He's done this work, and now I am am his. In fact, I even think baptism could be for many people. um, It's the moment where ownership changes. It's the moment where we raise our hand and say, I'm not going to hide from this any longer. I'm not going to pretend. I'm I'm just going to come out and say it. I believe in Jesus Christ and what he's done for me. I believe that he's forgiven my sins and, and I have this new life and I am his. You know, I say all this to say this, the lower story, here's what you got happening in the lower story here. Um, From the people's perspective, the giants are bigger than the Israelites. There's too many of them and they're too large. From the upper story, from God's perspective, God is bigger than all of the giants put together. We face battles every single day that are overwhelming but let's talk about the way to respond. Let's talk about when we find ourselves in the place where we would say, Kevin, I couldn't identify more with this series. The struggle is so real in my life. Here's some ways in which maybe you should begin to dig in and think about responding. The first one is just be obedient to what you know is truth and what has already been revealed to you. Sometimes I think we're looking for God to reveal more and more and more. And sometimes he's saying, Just respond to what I've already revealed to you. If you can be obedient with what I've already taught you, then we'll move on to lesson number two. The second piece is that maybe you would come to a place where you would say, in the midst of, man, I'm struggling, say, God, I need you to be my leader. I want to transfer ownership to you. I am yours. Lead me. I don't want to run out in front of you any longer. I will get behind you. And I'm going to become a true follower of you and your ways. The third thing, um, think about this. I need to practice faith. Maybe he's talking to you about something. And you know those giants are big. You know it looks impossible. But maybe he's looking for you to put your toes in the water. And sometimes I think that's actually what we need to do. We need to take a step that says to him, I'm going to step before you ever step, God, because I believe that you'll meet me there. And then the the final piece would be this. Maybe some of you are in this kind of place today where you'd say, I think I've just been hanging out too much on the water's edge. I need to be all in. I need to be identified as a follower. I need to quit messing around and I just need to go down into that water and I need to come up and I need to profess that I do believe and that God is making me new and I want to walk in new ways. You know, when I think about those, every one of those are critical steps in your journey. And I know this about crossbridgers. Every one of you are at different places. Every one of you have different things going on in your life. But my prayer this week is that one of those would connect with you. Father, I thank you so much for the story in Joshua. Tremendous story of people who trusted you, who got... The second chance to cross over that Jordan River. They trusted in you. They put their toes in the water. They consecrated themselves to you. They said, God, we want you to be our leader. And Lord, you did incredible things. I believe there's people today at our campuses who need you to do incredible things. They need to see your power that not only can make water stand up, but can do whatever we needed to do today to help us move forward in regards to our relationship with you.
0: I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Crossbridge Podcast. The mission of Crossbridge is to lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we'd love to partner with you on your spiritual journey. So please let us know how we can come alongside you and support you and pray for you by visiting crossbridge.church.